The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. You're listening to the 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. 235 in Edmonton. Jaylen Nye a little under the weather today, so I'm going solo. Still to come on the show this afternoon, I'm going to be uh, talking with counselor from Ward 1, Andrew Knack. I've got a laundry list that includes LRT, uh, gondolas, bike lanes, uh, everything you could imagine. Uh, we'll talk to Andrew about that coming up, as I say, after 3. And then at 335, I'm going to be joined in studio uh, or 345, I should say. I'll be joined in studio by uh, Dave Campbell, Eskimos color analyst. He's going to tell us everything we need to know about the CFL draft, which is happening tonight, and uh, 630 Ched will carry that live uh, starting at 6 o'clock. Right now, though, it's hard to believe, isn't it? We're now two years removed from the Fort McMurray wildfire that left the city empty for about a month and destroyed thousands of homes and buildings. To give us an update on how the area is doing these days, I'm joined now on the phone by the mayor of Wood Buffalo, Don Scott. Welcome to the show, Mr. Scott. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you, and I know this is a very busy day for you, uh, so I appreciate you making the time to talk with me. Um, I have questions for you, but I don't want to. I, I want to make sure that I don't, or that I do, give you the opportunity to get any kind of message across that you'd like to. So perhaps you could just give us an overview, and then we'll get more specific of how things are right now in Fort McMurray. You know, we're coming back, uh, and I would say we're coming back strong. There's about 523 families back in their homes, and we're expecting about a 1,000 families to be back into their homes by the end of this year. So we're making progress. Now, uh, is, it, know, is it enough progress, Mayor? Because uh, my numbers indicate I think it was somewhere around 2,600 homes destroyed. You mentioned 523 rebuilt and inspected. Is that Are, are we making enough or fast enough you know, progress? I'm, I'm never fully satisfied with the progress we're at, and I never will be until every last person's in their home. But a lot of the... Uh, the individuals who are going through this are going through different experiences. Some have insurance issues, some have contractor issues. So there's a lot of stuff that's going on uh, with each individual. Uh, one general uh, message I, I just want to make sure I convey to all your listeners, uh, because I experienced it myself down in Edmonton, is please thank everybody uh, all across Edmonton and Alberta for all the support they gave to all the citizens of my region. I experienced it personally. It was amazing. And I'm so grateful for it. Uh, And I certainly communicated that to the Premier when she was up here a few weeks ago. And uh, to the Prime Minister, we we thanked him for all the support Canadians gave us during during what we went through. Well, you know, as long as... As long as I live, I will never forget that time. And I wasn't obviously as directly affected as those individuals in Fort McMurray like yourself. But I, I know that uh, here at 630 Ched, we just went into Fort McMurray gear. Uh, and we stayed there for literally weeks, if not months. Um, because we'd just never seen anything like it. And, and you're right, the outpouring from our listeners and the offers of help and assistance that came in immediately was really just overwhelming. So I can only imagine how it felt to be someone who was in Fort McMurray. It, it was an unbelievable experience. Uh, the generosity of, of the people that I encountered was amazing. I was in Edmonton uh, at, shortly after the evacuation, and people found out I was from Fort McMurray shortly after I was there. I wasn't mayor at the time, uh, but people insisted on buying me things. And, uh, you know, I, I would say, no, no, it's not necessary. But they, they wanted to show that they were helping out the, the people of our region. And I'll never forget that generosity. 
Uh, nor will I. I I'm curious uh, to know, and you say, you know, things can never happen, uh, happen as fast as you would like, and you'll not be satisfied till everyone's home. Uh, is everyone trying to get home? When we talk about uh, 2,600 uh, roughly homes destroyed and uh, to the point to this point, 523 re- rebuilt, is are all those homes, tr- are people trying to rebuild those homes or have some people simply abandoned them? I'd say uh, a good number to, uh, to keep in mind is that the 2044 development permits have been issued. So that gives you a signal right there that a lot of people are coming back. Now, some people are selling their lots. I've certainly experienced that. And I know that there's some people who are not returning. But it looks to me like from the numbers I'm seeing to date that the majority, the great majority, are coming back. Well, glad to hear that. And you mentioned a moment ago uh, different frustrations or uh, roadblocks to rebuilding, insurance one, uh, contractors another. I would assume that the contractor issue was being able to find contractors, but um, because that's a big rebuild. Uh, tell us about the insurance situation uh, what, what was the issue there? Yeah, the insurance has been a real challenge in the region, and I know that from two different uh, angles. I was a lawyer in my before I was the mayor, and a, a ton of people are going through some pretty serious uh, disputes with their insurance companies. Uh, the insurance companies will always like to say that 90% of the claims have been resolved. Mm-hmm. The challenge with that is, though, it, it's oftentimes the hardest 10% that are still outstanding, the people who were completely destroyed uh, and lost all their belongings in the in the fire. So yeah, and, and Mayor, that's, that's, that's something that I've been reading about, obviously, or I've, I've read about over the last couple of years, but I've been reading about specifically in the last 24, 48 hours, that the issue seems to be, in many cases, that the property, uh, the value of the property, the building itself is pretty easy. It's the contents of the building that seems to be arguable at times. Uh, the people that I've talked to, there's a wide variety of different issues. It's not always the same, and I think that's one of the challenges that we're... I, there's no single answer to what everyone's experiencing. Some people are, are fighting with an insurance company about uh, you know, a rebuild or getting the money for the rebuild itself. Others, it's contents, and others, it's living out uh, money to continue living outside of where they, they used to live. So there's a wide variety of, uh, of challenges that people are facing. One thing I, I just want to, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but we went to the provincial government and we asked for an extension of the time to bring lawsuits. And uh, that was ultimately denied, although the uh, superintendent of insurance did indicate that the uh, insurance companies would be considering requests on a case-by-case basis. So we were certainly advocating for our residents. Hmm, good on you. Uh, we've talked about homeowners insurance, and oftentimes when we talk about the rebuild, we're talking specifically about people's homes. But there were also, what, 5,000 commercial insurance claims, businesses, and, and not all of them destroyed. Some of them simply damaged that have yet to reopen. Have they encountered the same sort of problems with insurance companies? There is. There's still a, there's a business. I was just talking to a friend yesterday who was telling me that a business uh, not very far from where I live is still closed. Now, they weren't destroyed. But they've been closed for two years now, and uh, it's still a result of an insurance dispute, is what was described to me. So, yes, the uh, the commercial businesses are still facing challenges. Uh, you know, the big question at the time, uh, we mentioned, you mentioned, and I agreed, the outpouring of support, and in many cases that took the form of donations to the Red Cross. And uh, just an astronomical amount of uh, money was raised somewhere in the neighborhood, I think 325 a million dollars between matching funds and personal donations, government, all that kind of thing. And concerns started to surface almost immediately with our listeners that that money was all going to be used specifically to help 
Fort McMurray and surrounding area. Was that money used? Uh, is there still money left? And are you comfortable that that money got to where it needed to go? Uh, the Red Cross has been absolutely amazing in this region. About 90% of the funds that have been raised have been used here to date. There's about 10% left. The Red Cross is still here in the community, still offering services. And I've been directing people to the Red Cross all week, uh, particularly if they think that they still need help and haven't received help, or if they are seeking mental health services, they can get direction as to where they should be going. So they've been amazing. The head of the Red Cross was here a few months ago, and uh, you know, I extended my personal thanks, and he said that they were going to continue the good work in this community. So I think the recognition in this community is that the Red Cross has been an outstanding uh, organization as far as is responding to this event. Uh, could I ask, and uh, you know, these are all very positive things that you're saying, but I'm you know, just out of pure curiosity, part of the Red Cross money went to support individuals who didn't have insurance, for example. Uh, and I guess my question is, is there any animosity between individuals who had insurance but are struggling with their insurance company, or even those who aren't, um, feeling that, well, their neighbor got more money because they didn't have the foresight to insure their building? I certainly haven't experienced anything like that. Uh, you know, it's this is a community where neighbors are all looking out for each other and trying to support each other as much as possible to get through this event. So I haven't ex- sensed even slight animosity. Uh, people just want to make sure that everyone else is getting the help they need. Yeah, absolutely. So looking ahead and moving forward, what will change or what has changed or what ideas have been put across your desk to prevent something like this from ever happening again? Yeah, we're implementing a fire smart program. That's uh, really a, a program to make sure that our community is doing the best that we can to make sure that we don't experience another event like this, another disaster. And uh, it's going well. We've also changed the way we respond to emergencies. We've had uh, a lot of work has been done. So we are much better prepared than we were you know, two years ago. The work's still on, ongoing. There's a lot more work to do, but we're definitely uh, moving in the right direction. Would one of those challenges or one of the ideas tabled be additional access or exit routes from the city? Absolutely. It's one thing I've championed with the provincial government is another route out of uh, the region. The only route out of the region right now runs right by our hospital. So the other challenge that creates is a, uh, a dangerous goods issue in this town. Mm. But essentially, as everyone, all your listeners are probably aware, there's only essentially one road immediately through the community out which is Highway 63, so that's uh, that's a big issue. It, it's something I've been raising with Minister Mason, the uh, Minister of Transportation for the provincial government. I've m- mentioned it to the Prime Minister when he was here, so that's something we're advocating very strongly on. So as far as you're concerned, last question for you, uh, Mr. Mayor, and I appreciate, again, your time this afternoon. I know you're a busy guy. Um, do you feel as though you're getting all the cooperation you need, whether it be from various levels of government, from the citizens themselves, from charitable groups? Do you do you feel you have everything you need, or do you want? Do you need more help? Well, we always make requests of government, so we're always looking for more help from government. But as to the fire and the reaction to the fire, the the support has been tremendous. You know, we've had the Red Cross, we've had various levels of governments up here, we've had uh, several ministers from both the province and federal government up here recently. So we are getting uh, support, and uh, I'll always be asking for more support. I'm never fully satisfied, but. We're certainly getting support. You know, the, the fire will always be part of our history, but now we're looking toward the future, and we're going to keep uh, we're going to keep asking for more things like like a ring road, or a road another access route. But uh, 
to date, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very pleased with what I'm seeing. Yeah, Ring Road's a great idea. I hadn't thought of that. Um, you know, I said last question, but now I've got another for you, if you don't mind. We've talked about the replacement of brick and mortar, and, but that. But what about the psychological effect on the residents of Fort McMurray? How are those residents dealing with that? It's been the number one issue that I've, I've been raising the last couple of weeks. I, I'm asking people to talk to their neighbors to make sure that their neighbors are doing okay. This is a community that looks out for their neighbors. I'm especially concerned about young people. I heard a story this morning about someone who was hearing about the fire a lot, and they were. Uh, it was a young person. And they were, uh, you know, somewhat anxious about uh, about how they were feeling. And uh, what I've been saying to people is, let's make sure the young people and any any person is getting the help they need and, and getting the support they need for mental health uh, concerns. I, that's that's my one of my biggest concerns right now is the people who are reliving this uh, experience, especially with all the talk about it these days. So I hope people get the help they need, and certainly if they if they need direction, uh, the Red Cross is is a great place to go. Good stuff. I've uh, been speaking with Don Scott, the uh, mayor for Wood, Buffalo. Mr. Scott, thank you again for your time this afternoon. As I say, I know you're a busy guy, particularly on this, the two-year anniversary of The Beast. So thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks again to your listeners. Two fifty-two on the six thirty Chet afternoon news coming up after three. Andrew Knack, counselor for Ward One, with a uh, just a laundry list of topics, and some of which you have suggested as listeners you'd like me to bring up with Andrew Knack. I'll try and get them all. Uh, Brad Whisker, our producer for the afternoon news, joining me in studio right now. Uh, hey, good get on uh, Wood Buffalo Mayor Don Scott. He's got to be a busy guy today. Oh, it's going to be busy for sure. But uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. He, you could tell that he's not giving out scripted answers. Yeah. He really does care about the municipality and really does care about his people. He's giving you the honest truth, mm-hmm. where, not to say all politicians wouldn't do that, but it's nice to hear a man <laughs> we all almost, know what shoot you're from, saying. Yeah. almost shoot from the hip, you know? He, he really gave uh, he created a, a picture for me anyways of how things are going up there without actually seeing it recently. Yep. So. And say, great point, not actually seeing it recently because I want you to go back two years ago when this was happening. You were not the producer of this show, uh, but you you were up there. You were our. Uh, you were one of the people that uh, Chorus had on the ground up there. You and I spoke and Jalen many times. What kind of memories do you have of that from two years ago? Well, I remember being up there basically living on the side of the highway for a couple of days and we weren't allowed into the city. So we hadn't seen the damage or potential damage done. So all of us were just kind of sitting there wondering how bad is this or maybe did it miss certain areas of the city what's the percentage at and then we finally went on the tour and a few days later with the premier and a few other people and that gave us a really good picture of where it went because that was the big story is just how it would pick up and skip and jump and go to the next neighborhood and then um just seeing the damage firsthand really standing at a sidewalk where homes used to be, mm-hmm. hundreds of homes, and just seeing it completely wiped out. I saw that in Slave Lake, and I know exactly what you're talking about. I went up there. We did a live uh, remote from up there for a day or two. Um, it's hard to describe, and I'm sure you would agree. It sort of kind of looks like the set of a horror movie. You just Because you see perfectly intact homes next to completely to nothing but a foundation and you can literally see the path of this thing I, well i guess you just said that but you just i can understand why they called it the beast so when you went up there you went up there after the evacuation yeah i was up there the day after okay and then we just basically watched the fire from afar not knowing when people would be going back the whole purpose was we need to be up there in case 
we can go back right away. We had no idea, as did the residents, people in Edmonton. The whole province had no clue what was happening next. Yeah. And then we went in and was there for a couple of days. Then we came back while the government formulated that plan, that sort of I structured yeah. return. Yeah. And then I was up there for a week or whatever it was as people slowly came back and saw that too. See, will that, do you think, go down as the biggest story that you ever covered? I don't know how it could be surpassed. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking $10 billion of damage. You're talking an entire city, nearly 90,000 people leaving in a mass exodus. The pictures and the videos and the people I talked to personally before, after, during, firefighters, emergency responders. I mean, I don't know how you, you pass that. It's awful that this happened, but I mean, I can't see something like this happening for God knows how long. Uh, I'll never forget it, honestly. I, um, I, I just remember being on the air with Jay Lynn, doing what we do. Um, don't know what story we were on, but I'm going to guess it was something light, entertaining. And we got our first text that said, Fort McMurray is on fire. And we often get random text, not necessarily like that, but we often, you know, like, oh, there's been an explosion or there's a holdup or, you know, and you don't just blurt it out, right? But then another one came in and then another one came in and, you know, we got hold of our newsroom after the first one saying something's going on in Fort McMurray and we're not really sure what it is, right? And then within probably a half hour, we were in full Fort McMurray fire coverage and it lasted for weeks. Yeah. And then it went on. The show was no longer a two till six show. It was uh, something's happened. We need you on the air now till, uh, you know, till whatever. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Sid Smith at one point, uh, out of pure exhaustion, Jalen and I and I just said, we can't keep going. Like we can. And, and Sid took over. And didn't he do like some, like 20 hours in a row or something? I remember the day that it officially event. The day that everyone evacuated, he went live from something like nine at night until seven the next morning That's and was right. talking to people as they were driving That's right. down the highway, people left without gas, all those horrible stories that yep. we don't need to remind right, people right. of over and over again. But he hung around and, and kept listeners abreast of, of what was happening. I'm, I'm sure you're the same as me. We just kept hoping that we would wake up in the morning to hear that the fire had been contained or extinguished and it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And I remember actually we did several hits with you and I remember at one point we had you on hold and then you weren't there anymore and then we got word that you'd been moved. Like they just told you you had to move or something. I'm like, oh, okay. What happened to Brad? It was just that was the whole... That was that whole two months or so. Yep. Yeah, amazing stuff. Oh, uh, I've gone over long. Uh, great show you booked for me this afternoon, by the way. Thanks for doing that. No problem. That's what I'm here for. There you go. Allegedly. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break for your news headlines when we come back. Uh, Ward 1 Councillor Andrew Knack. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.